Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed, tapping into the tips and tricks of great leadership. And this is for new and emerging leaders and people who report to leaders and want to know how they can influence them to be even better. Enjoy. Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed podcast, where my goal is to help you understand some of the secret skills that exceptional leaders have to create high-performing teams. Skills that you can develop to increase your abilities to step up into leadership roles, increase your reputation as a leader, and create the sort of culture that you and your team want to be part of. And if you'd like to know more about my programs, either Dynamic Leaders or Teams programs, or my right level management or delegating effectively, feel free to contact me at mari at mariburgess.com or via my website, mariburgess.com. And at the end, I'd love to hear your tips for great leadership. And if you know of any leaders you think I should interview, please let me know. I'm Mari Burgess and I'm your host today and I'm talking with Caroline Stankamp, who's currently pursuing her next career opportunity. And with a background combining technology, portfolio management, process improvement, talent management and leading large complex change programs, Caroline delivers powerful people-focused transformation programs. Giving back to the industry is a powerful driver for her and Carolyn is currently Director and Program Lead for the Importance of Women in IT and Initiative of Vic ICT for Women. And I have to say, I've been to many of these events and they are amazing. So welcome, Caroline, and thank you for joining me on Leader Secrets Revealed. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So I am, have been a leader for a very long time. And I realised actually that I started this when I was a teenager way back in Girl Guides when I became a patrol leader. And I must say that it's not something that I ever aspired to be, but I really find that the more that I learned about it, the more that I wanted to improve and get better. So I see myself as a collaborative leader. I really enjoy the people side of things. And perhaps that's a rather strange thing to have when you've come from a strong technical background where it's all about problem solving. But what I've found is that I really love solving problems around people and that's what really inspires me to lead people and lead teams. So what's been, so you started as a girl guide, as a control leader, and and that was your first, um, I guess, experience of, of leadership. What was your leadership journey after that? So after working in technology, writing programs for many years, I got tapped on the shoulder from my manager to say, I really need you to lead this team. At the time, I'd just come back from maternity leave from the birth of my daughter, who's my second child, and it was something completely unexpected. But of course, I relished the opportunity and said, yes, of course, I'll give it a go. And I never really looked back. Now, I must say I was pretty lucky at the time that my manager was an amazing leader herself and she could really help to coach and mentor me through that journey. But it's all about giving it a go and learning on the ground. So I think I've spent the rest of my entire career learning how to be a better leader and I don't think there's ever an end to that journey. Yeah, I do tend to agree with you there. But then that's like our own self-awareness. That's a forever journey as well. So I've led, I've led many different teams over that time. I have made, led small teams and I've led large teams. 
I've led teams of technical people where I actually knew what they were doing and could understand what work they were working on. But I've also led teams where I actually don't have the technical capabilities or the skills to actually do the job of my team members. So that's been a different challenge as well, leading people, not by example, but leading people to inspire them to achieve their best. And that is such a contrast, isn't it? Because uh, often people get promoted from within, so they actually already have skills, but then they've got the issue of having to let go of what they used to love doing and step into that people space. And yeah, you've actually been leading teams that you actually don't know or understand what, what the team does. So what did you have to call on there to lead them effectively? I really had to call on my people management skills and improve them. So the toughest group of people that I've ever led was a group of super intelligent but highly technical enterprise architects. And there was about a dozen of them and they all had very different personalities. So bringing them together in a team meeting could be quite chaotic at times and there was lots of references about hurting cats or even hurting butterflies at times. So that was a huge challenge, but I just learned so much about myself and about how to motivate and inspire different people and really to, to lead them as a leader. I love it. So your first manager who you've come back from maternity leave and she supported you into a leadership role, what other um, help have you had along the way? It's actually interesting when I was reflecting on the different managers that I've had over this time. I've learned from all of them, but some of them I would learn how to do the right thing and some of them I would learn what not to do through personal experience. Um, So I think there's been a couple of different challenges. Um, One was around giving me a needs improvement on a performance goal, which was the first time I'd ever had a needs improvement. I was so angry when I went away for the weekend and stewed on it. But when I came back into the office the next week, I suddenly realised that I had a very fixed mindset around this goal and that my manager was actually trying to teach me an important lesson. And once I realised that, my whole mindset became more of a growth mindset and a learning mindset and understanding that you're going to make mistakes and you need to learn from them and move on. So that was a really important lesson for me. Was that an in-the-moment change or did you have to consciously think about that? Because that's quite a switch going from a a closed mindset to a a growth mindset. As I said, I went away and stewed on it for a whole weekend, feeling quite angry and upset. And I can't really remember how long it took me to get over that, but I'm (laughs) fairly certain that it was quite a quick process to to come to realise that actually this was a really important lesson and that I just need to learn and move on. Okay, so I want to move into the leader's secrets section. Oh, sorry, Murray. Just to, yeah. So, in terms of what else has helped me along the way, I'm a serial learner. So, whatever books, training, events that I could go to, um, absolutely, I went to everyone, and I got things out of each one that could teach me how to be a better leader. Actually, that reminds me, I want to come back to the fact that you're a director and program lead for the Women in IT as part of Big ICT for Women, which is a completely voluntary organisation. What's the importance of leadership being part of that group? Leadership's really important because, first of all, you're dealing with volunteers. So they're people that are giving up their own time to help you to achieve 
in the, in my case, uh, running a fantastic program of events throughout a year. So what's really challenging about that as a leader is that these people have a day job and they have a family and they have other interests outside of their volunteer position. And so you really need to make sure that you are helping them and supporting them and removing roadblocks for them as much as you can so that they can focus on the activities that they need to do without consuming too much of their time because time when you're a volunteer is always the biggest factor in everything that you do. But I think I call myself really lucky, but it's not like it's that you have a passionate group of people that you're leading who are all aligned to the same purpose that you have. And I think that makes such a big difference. Great. So getting back to your paid employment, although it can certainly come into the voluntary stuff as well, what have you learned most about building and leading a high-performing team? When I first started work, I was working for a startup company and we had an amazing environment that I learned and grew in. And the basic premise of that was actually around, um, oh, sorry, you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um so the basic premise of that was that, that it was built on trust and respect. So we were a group of super intelligent people building a new system and we could have some great robust debates and disagreements, but we all trusted and respected in each other and the group. Yeah. And I think that's so key. I think what I've learned as a leader is that when you're leading a group of people, you actually need to treat them as people. Everyone's different, everyone has their own strengths and everyone has their own motivations. Mm. And if you're going to get the best out of them, you really need to understand where they're coming from so that you can tap into that and make the best use of that to achieve your team's outcomes. So and we often talk about, you know, find out about your team, what are their strengths and values and stuff, but how do you do that? What, what What's like a couple of things that you would do to actually find out more about your team and tap into their strengths? There's two main things that I do. One is that I really believe in having one-on-one conversations with your staff on a regular basis. It's really the only way, the best way to get to know people in an environment where they're not feeling exposed to other people listening into what they might have to say. Mm. And the second thing is to make sure that you run activities and events with your team that aren't about work because that's another really good way that you can find out about what the team's interests and backgrounds are. Give me some examples of events you've run in the past, Caroline. So apart from the standard let's go out for lunch or let's go out for a coffee, um, one of the things that I did with my team a few years ago, which was really fascinating, was to find out a little bit more about where they all came from. And even though we were a small team of eight people, we actually all represented six different countries. Oh, wow. So we ran some morning teas and each morning tea was run by the person and it was all about their country. So they supplied the popular food from their country we learned a little bit about the history. Some people did amazing research and supplied some different facts and figures for us. It was just a really fun event and gave you a bit of an understanding of people's backgrounds. Yeah, I love it. Now, you're currently looking for your next role um, and there's lots of different things that you're, that you're looking for. 
But when you're in a role and and you can even think back of previous roles, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced? It's always difficult when you have people that are very different to yourself, that have different drivers and motivators. I've always found that to be really challenging. So it's one thing to find out what they are, but it's another thing to actually work out how to deal with that. I remember very early on in my career, actually, so with a technology background, I was used to working in largely a team of introverted people. So yes, we would still talk to each other and communicate, but largely we were happy to sit at our desks and do our work quietly. As our company grew bigger and we hired more and more people, obviously we didn't just hire introverts and suddenly in my team were some extroverted people. And as an introverted manager, I really had to do some digging and research and learning about how do I communicate better with extroverts because they're the sort of people that think as, they, as they're thinking, they're speaking, whereas an introvert tends to think and then speak later. So I had to really challenge myself and push myself to actually speak what I was thinking. And if I really wanted some think time, I might have to say, actually, can I go away and think about that and I'll come back to you later? I love it. Yes. So so it's almost like there are challenges, but you really work them to your advantage. So what would you consider your biggest strength in leading effectively? I think more recently I've come to discover that one of my big strengths is curiosity. And I find that I can tap into that to understand who my staff members are, but also when we are working through problems or when uh, there's some disagreements, I can use my curiosity to actually ask better questions and find out what's really going on. And I think that's such a powerful thing to be able to do. I did go to an AIM course a very long time ago and a lady had written a book all about better leaders ask better questions and that stayed with me for the rest of my leadership career. I love it. So where does, um, so I guess I've got this belief that in a lot of organisations, managers are managing at a level too low and and what they're doing is not empowering their team because they're, they're almost down in the weeds with their team. And so when we don't have that right level of management, we're not actually tapping into everyone's brilliance. I see delegation as a a really useful strategy to lift people up to be at the right level of management. So where does delegation come into play in your leadership style? That's a great question. And I think the really tricky thing about delegation, particularly for someone who likes to do things properly, uh, is that there's a tendency to think, well, I can do it myself. And if I do it, it'll be faster, it'll be quicker, and I know that I'll get a good result. So I think one of the key things for me around leadership and delegation was that I had to make a mind shift. And that mind shift was that I was now the leader and I was leading a team of people who were the doers. And I think that's a huge part of the delegation to make delegation work effectively for you as a leader is to actually have that mind shift that you're now not one of the team, you're leading the team. And I think once you make that mind shift, it becomes easier to go, well, actually, it would be better if one of my team members did this task because it means I can focus on something else. And usually as a leader, you've got lots of other things to focus on. 
but it also helps to grow and develop your team. I agree. Lovely. Um, so what are your three top leadership tips, your personal ones? Yes, I think for me the first key thing that I learned was to be a better leader, I had to become more self-aware. And self-awareness was really important if I was going to understand my team members better and then understand how I could influence them and adapt my leadership style. So the example I gave before about understanding that I was an introvert but that other people in my team were extroverts meant that I had to change the way I communicated with them. And that was really key for me. So I've been on a self-awareness journey ever since then. And I think that the more you understand about who you are, the better that you can understand other people and what might drive and motivate them and how you might be able to work better with them by adapting your own leadership style. I love it. Number two? So number two is something that's more of a recent understanding is that you need to look after your own health and well-being first before you can look after your team. And I think this came really to the forefront as being part of a very large change recently. And we had someone come in who was an experienced change manager who was teaching us all as leaders about how to communicate with our team. And the thing that he told us, which really stuck in my head, was that pretend that you're on an airline and that you're going through the safety demonstration. And one of the first things they say is you need to fit your own mask, your own oxygen mask, before you can fit that for other people. And I think that's really true as a leader. When things are going on that maybe everyone's having trouble coping with, make sure you're looking after yourself first. Great strategy. And the third thing for me that really spent a lot of time working on was around communication and feedback. And I think that communication is so important to make sure that everyone's aligned with what you need to do and that everybody is aware when things are going off track to help get them back on track. And again, it was another training course that I went on when the trainer talked about a rocket. So think about feedback as guiding this rocket through space. And it's on a trajectory and the rocket pings back to the base, the base being the leader, saying, am I still on track? And the base goes, yes. And as that rocket continues on its journey, if it starts to go off track, the base says, no, you're not on track, you need to course correct. And I really think that for me was a very powerful metaphor as a leader that you need to make sure you're course correcting your people if they're starting to go off track. I know a lot of leaders are afraid to talk to their staff and give them negative feedback or constructive criticism, however you want to term it. But I really like the fact that actually it's what you're trying to do is get them back on track. Yeah. Uh, look, I love that so much and it just brings to mind all of these different pictures, um, even, even the pinch-crunch cycle, which is if you, if you nip something in the bud at the very beginning, it's not going to go up to tra trajectory until everyone just explodes and gets on, which is literally they've all gone off track too far and it's, it takes a lot of work to course correct. So, yes, great, great metaphor. I loved it. Thank you. Yes. Oh, and that reminds me, there's another metaphor that a different manager gave me about if you're trying to nip something in the bud, then it's easier to blow out a flame than it is to put out a bushfire. Oh, yes. 
which is perhaps a bit of a controversial um, <laughs> statement. <laughs> the great metaphor at the moment. <laughs> Look at all the rain we've had to have to, to, put, to put out most of these fires. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Right, so now I want to move on to what you do because you've spoken about put your oxygen mask on at um, yourself first and health and well-being for yourself. So do you have daily habits that support you as a leader? Yes. I think one of the key things that I do as a leader is you need to understand what are your high-level priorities or goals that you're working towards and what are you going to be doing today and this week and this month and this quarter to focus on those priorities. So as a daily habit, it's about understanding what are the key things that I need to achieve today that are going to contribute towards my high-level goals. It's very easy to put off your high-level goals because as a leader, there's always things going on that you need to turn your attention to and focus to. And in fact, there was a, a LinkedIn article this morning about how as a leader do you stop yourself from getting distracted by all the information that's around you. And in particular, in this day and age, emails are such a huge contributor of that noise. And I find that by having that priority list and understanding what are the key things you need to achieve, you can then turn off all the other distractions and focus on what's important. And I love the uh, learnings from this that Dr. Jason Fox put in his book, The Game Changer, around motivation and why do we get inspired to do what we do. And when we think about our inbox, it is so motivating to get that number of unread emails down to zero, right? Mm. Everyone wants to reduce that count because it gives you a very clear sense of achieving something. But when you think about what real progress is in terms of achieving your goals and priorities, getting your inbox count down to zero actually doesn't count. Exactly. It is satisfying though. Helen, <laughs> <laughs> what um, do you, uh, you obviously read prolifically and so, and I've made a note, I've put in the show notes about Jason Fox and The Game Changer and I absolutely agree, what a great book to, to read. Do you have other podcasts or books that you would uh, recommend for emerging leaders? Because I'm a reader, I tend to have books rather than podcasts. And two of the ones that I've read in the last couple of years that uh, I'd put on that list would be Brené Brown's Dare to Lead yes. and also Zenger and Falkman, The Extraordinary Leader. Mm, excellent. I've that to my list. I haven't read it. Oh, it's a little bit... I was going to say scientific, but maybe intellectual is more the word, um, because they actually base their theories on all the 360-degree uh, feedback tests that people have done over the years. And so it's actually data-based um, on what makes a great leader rather than theoretically here's what I think makes a great leader. Uh, what was the author again? Uh, there's, so there's two authors, Zenger. Z-E-N-G-E-R, and mm -hmm. Falkman, F-O-L-K-M-A-N. Thank you. Great. So finally, what would be your parting advice for emerging leaders or even leaders who might be struggling a little bit with their current team? I think the key thing is that you have to learn by doing, that you have to give it a go. And sometimes you just need to jump in there 
and get things done. And I think it can be really hard when you feel like you're the leader and you need to get everything right and you need to have all the answers and you need to be the expert. But actually, it doesn't always work like that. So I think the key thing is to give it a go and to find some really great mentors or coaches who can help guide you through that journey. Because there's nothing better than talking to people who have been there and done that to get their views on what might work in different situations. But I think the key message would be that leadership is an amazing journey and it's an amazing thing to do to be able to lead a team, especially to complete a successful project or to achieve a big, hairy or satisfying. So mm-hmm. it, it really is an amazing uh, thing to do to be a leader. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline, for sharing your leadership journey and some of your secrets with us. And I am so looking forward to seeing what your next career is going to be. Thank you, Mari. It's been a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. That was a wonderful interview with Caroline Steinkamp, and I thoroughly enjoyed hearing about her leadership journey. And the key points for me was she actually started leadership as a teenager when she was part of the Girl Guides and became a a control leader. And the other thing that um, resonated for me, and this will go into the show notes, is the importance of building a high-performing team by having regular one-on-ones and really finding out who is in your team and what makes them tick. And also to run activities that aren't about work. Caroline's three tips for leadership is building that ongoing learning journey to become self-aware, to look after your own health and well-being first, put your own oxygen mask on first, and also um, with communication and feedback, being prepared to have that communication. If you know someone I should interview who has exceptional leadership skills, please let me know at mari at mariburgess.com. I would love to hear from you and always looking for inspirational people to talk to. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please share the link with colleagues and friends or on your social media feeds and help others learn how to be great leaders. Or if you're in a team, what a great leader looks like and how you can help develop that. If you know of someone that you think I should interview, please let me know via my website. Thanks. Thanks.